to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mass Podcast. I'm your host, Dante, and this is going to be episode 110. I think it's 110. We're going to say it's 110. It might be 109. Yeah, it's 110. Yeah. So this is episode 110, and my guest for this episode is Jess. You know, no last name. We're going to do it like Madonna, you know, like just a single, single first name. <laughs> so I'm going to have Jess on my show today, and we are going to talk with Jess about her fitness journey, her jiu-jitsu journey, and her battle back from injury. So I'm always fascinated hearing these stories from everyone and how they deal with the adversity and, and the struggle that comes with it. So so I'm having Jess on. So Jess, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, thank you for making time in, in your schedule to do this with me. I'm always thankful for everyone who puts in any time to sit with me and record because I'm just a guy and I just like to hear people's stories. So, uh, so just, you know, kind of going off of what I've seen on your Instagram. And I think that was a big part of it. It's like, I follow you on Instagram and I see your posts yeah. all the time. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, you're a hustler, you work, you know, get out there so i'm always fascinated by that and you know kind of starting off in it one of the things that it says at the very top is you know this is my journey you know this is my fitness journey so um i just wanted to first get into that and ask you about your fitness journey when did it start um i want to say it started in about 2019 give or take I had previously tried to lose weight before, but I overtrained and I ended up injuring both my elbows really bad, like severe tennis elbow. I couldn't pick up a gallon of milk or anything. So I then took a break to recover and then I went to the doctor and I stepped on the scale and I hit 297 pounds at 5'4". And I remember leaving that office and just breaking down in my car, like something's got to change because if I don't make a change, it's only going to go downhill from here. So that's when I started just doing something simple like walking. And I remember like I was so embarrassed because just walking up and down my driveway, I would run out of breath. It was too much. And so every day I'd go out and I'd walk for 30 minutes after work on the biggest hill in my neighborhood. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And I tried new things. That's an interesting point that you kind of shared there too. I think an, an important point is just starting off small. Just, you know, there's a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, I want to lose weight or get, get in shape and, you know, start this journey. And then people want to go like, I'm going to run a 5K this Saturday. <laughs> like, dude, you can't even go to the fridge without like pulling your back. What are you, you know, run a 5K this, this Saturday? Relax. Exactly. Exactly. And that was like something because from trying this so many times, like originally starting in 2016, I hit it so fast and so hard that it was actually more of a shock to my body. And that's where the injury came into play because I made a grave mistake of one overtraining 
and two, not eating enough. Like I was doing something crazy, like a 1200 calorie a day diet, which is not sustainable when you're doing that much fitness. And so I ended up paying dearly for it, right? I destroyed my elbows, overtrained, didn't sleep good, messed up my hormones. And so when I was coming back at it in 2019, I was like, okay, we're going to pull this way back. We're going to focus on one thing at a time. So the first thing was to build a simple habit, nothing complicated, let's just walk. And then slowly what I did as far as with my food choices, I picked one thing to focus on every month, not a bunch. It wasn't like, I'm gonna go ahead and drop all this bad food real quick and I'm gonna just hit this diet hard. It was, okay, let's just start by drinking this much water every day. Okay, let's try to only drink maybe one soda a week versus one soda a day. And through those minor adjustments, everything just became easier and easier over time. At any point, did you, so this was all just on you. You didn't like speak with a nutritionist or a dietitian or anything. This was just your, you know, you, you took the the uh, steering wheel and started, started running with this. Exactly. Yeah. And what I did was um, I did my own homework, right? So I'd watch one person specific and people are probably going to laugh if, if they know of this person, he's a great person. But um, I started by watching obese to beast on Instagram. He was kind of like my first one on Instagram and YouTube because he had a lot of really good points. He's done the same thing. And then I could just kind of spiraled down the rabbit hole from there, just following different people going on the same path as me. And from there, I started picking up little habits, started reading books and just really educating myself on what is the right per- right approach versus the wrong approach because i feel like everyone's in a hurry but me personally i'm in this for the long game so i'm not rushing to drop 20 pounds in a month i'm more like let's just take our time maybe drop one to two pounds a month so i can maintain these habits without any drastic changes okay yeah i'm kind of in that boat right now where I said to myself the other day, it's like, dude, we, we got to make moves. We can't keep doing this. I think when COVID hit, that's where all my weight came back. And a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people, when COVID hit, a lot of people got motivated and found new hobbies. I uh, lost weight. Before COVID, I was actively practicing jujitsu, like, almost every day. And once COVID hit, it was like, okay, you know, maybe it was time to take a break. And then the break took over and here I am. I love pastries. It's so <laughs> it's good. Okay. I love pizza. So it's all good. <laughs> Dude, pizza. It's like right now I'm in this, this little bit, you know, gradual changes. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've taken out pastries. I'm not, you know, it's like, Pastries, you know, when I go through my, you know, my routine for the week, just continue my life as, but no pastries. And when it comes to pizza, it's like, mm-mm, I don't know, maybe, maybe moderation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of my buddies that I trained with, his is ice cream. So we joke around all the time. But... Well, and, and I think that's just, you know, the important thing too, like you said, you did your homework, you know, and I always find it tough, especially these days with the internet, because there's so much information out there and so many different points that 
are valid, but we're also different. So exactly. Yeah, that, that's tough. So, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, you were able to, you know, figure it out on, you know, your own path and have the discipline to kind of stick with, you know, you know, this, this set of rules, this set of logic and just run with it. So when you, you said back in, uh, you know, when you were overtraining, you injured your elbows. Yeah. So what, what happened there? Um, I think at that point, cause that was in 2016 before I started round two and, uh, a part of me just kind of gave up. So then I fell back into the old habits of eating. I fell back into the old habits of playing video games way too much and just not taking care of myself. And I lost track of everything. Like I wasn't, I didn't look at the scale. I didn't do any of that, but I did notice when I was going shopping, the clothes were getting bigger. And it was that doctor's appointment that really kind of rang the alarm. Like you need to get this together or it's going to get worse. So uh, what games are you playing? Um, back then or now? Well, back then. <laughs> now, back then. Yeah, back then um, I really got sucked into Black Desert Online. Hmm. And uh, when that game dropped on the Xbox, I was playing that thing for, for hours. <laughs> like in a gaming guild doing all their battles and everything. And it just like took over my life. And I finally was like, okay, we need to acknowledge this. And maybe step away from it. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Uh, what games <laughs> you playing now? Um, not too much. So I try to I try to regulate how often I game now because it's easy for me to get sucked in. Um, if anything, I might hop on and help my husband or my son in Destiny when they're playing. They'll usually ask me to play with them, uh, or my husband will ask me to go play Sea of Thieves, help him with something he's doing on there. But for the most part. I'm not gaming as much. I have them, they're sitting there, but at the same time I express caution because if I get pulled into a game, I get pulled into that game pretty hard. <laughs> so, Hashtag but. twins. <laughs> That's how I was with Diablo too. Uh, back, back in the day, I'd get on that game and I'd be on for hours and hours and hours and I, there'd be a point where I wouldn't even know if the sun was up or down. Oh, yeah. I'd just be lost. And, and it all started with a challenge. My buddy, well, it wasn't even a challenge. He just, he was playing. He was like, dude, it's impossible to get to 99. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> okay. <Challenge> accepted. <laughs> I got uh, a lightning sword up to 94 clean. No, you know, no cheating, no help, no nothing. Yeah. And I was proud of it. But then I started helping people build their characters and then i got obsessed with that and i i had a weird balance though because i would play that game but i would also take time off to work out because i think at that time i was obsessed with working out and yeah. playing diablo those are those are the only two things i was focused on were those two things in life work was secondary yeah i was just talking to uh someone i think at class the other day and telling them about how i used to be so bad i would start falling asleep at work because I was gaming so much. Like, it was bad back then. And I acknowledge that. I'll own that. That Red Bull didn't work very well. So. <laughs> Only thing Red Bull ever does for me is I get jittery. Right. And then I get scared. This <laughs> is like, okay, <laughs> why am I shaking? 
it's like, I, and I'm not it's even awake. Normal. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sleep and my body's shaking. Well, you're not supposed to have that. So, yeah, with uh, the overtraining and injuries back in 2016, it sounds like, yeah, that it's it was real easy then to just kind of fall back into a rut. Yeah. Um, so when you came out of, you know, came out of this and, you know, you started the journey slowly, when did it, when did you really start feeling the effects like that, that pick the pickup of it where you start feeling like, okay, this is it. You know, I, I feel like I'm sticking with this. Um, usually for me, it's usually a two week mark, right? So the first week I'm always like, I'm miserable. I'm sore. Second week I start to feel good because I'm building that routine. And then it really, really stuck when I finally got the courage to walk into my first gym. And the gym I picked, they're like a group fitness class and they run it kind of like my biggest loser type of training, but almost like with a club vibe. So they have like strobe lights and music going. You have coaches walking around, like pumping you up when you're doing the workout. So, and it's a group training environment too. So I'm feeding off of the energy from the lights, the music, the people, and the coaches. So that was my first real taste of, hey, I like group workouts. You know, I can do solo stuff, but I actually feed off of the people I'm around when I'm working out. And it just, the the group environment, I just, I don't know. I love it and I feed off of it. Okay. So I can explain it. (laughs) Well, it's weird because like, as you're mentioning that, I'm thinking it's like, you know what? I feel that same way when when it comes to jujitsu at least. Oh, yeah. But I don't I don't really like crowds. I don't like groups of people, but I like training jujitsu in a group. If that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. That does actually. I am probably the biggest introvert people will ever meet. <laughs> I am like a wallflower, especially if I'm in a new group. It takes a lot for me to really feel comfortable around people and really start to open up. And that was kind of some one of the reasons why jujitsu really appealed to me, because being the new person in class and not knowing anyone there and just continuously having to show up and get out of that comfort zone. It really changed a lot for me from those introvert tendencies, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I think when it comes to being uh, introvert, you know, there, I guess there's the introverted extrovert, I guess, or however it's said. I think there's yeah. another term for it now. Um, I, I think a lot of grapplers maybe fall into that sometimes. But I know for myself, you know, when it comes to, I guess it's all, I guess it all revolves around the activity that you enjoy as well, too. Like right. working out. You know that 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 vibe that you know you got from that gym, the club vibe. It's like okay, this is something I like to do though, and and it's a safe environment versus like because the way you describe it's like damn, I want to go do that, but I don't want to go to a club. I hate clubs. Right. <laughs> but I go to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and see to kind of piggyback on what you just said. So when people ask me how do I start working out, I tell them, okay, what do you enjoy to do? Do you like to dance? Do you like to go punch things? Do you like to walk? Do you like going outside? Try and find something you enjoy and you will want to go and do that and stay consistent. I can't say that enough. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, I, I think that's, you know, just goes with just about anything though, too. It's like, I even think about that with work. It, it's like for me at work, you know, my, my job is fine. I enjoy it enough, but it's one of those things where it's like, I find myself at work. Like I've recorded a couple podcasts at work. Like I've, I do most of my editing at work. You know, I do a lot of stuff revolving around the pocket. And, and let me just tell you now, my job has nothing to do with any of this. But it's just that there's free time there to do it. But if you said to me, you know, do any other activity that has to be done, but I'm not enjoying it, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not thrilled about it. And that's kind of goes the same with um, an activity such as working out. It's like yeah. you get people that they don't want to work out because only thing that they see when it comes to working out is lifting weights or running. They're like, I don't like either of those things, but there are other activities, you know, just physical fitness, period. I mean, jujitsu is one of those examples that I always use. And even with my buddy, he always wants me to come play volleyball with him. And I always want him to come do jujitsu. And I just told him straight up, I don't think I really want to play volleyball. It's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, and he won't do jujitsu, but I told him, just tell me you don't want to do jujitsu. Don't give me any other excuse. Yeah. Just say, I don't want to do it. And I'll say, okay, I'll stop asking. Cause I'm, we're, we're recording later on tonight and I'm going to ask him again. So when you're going to come do jujitsu, I think what it is, is I always say to him, what are you, when are you going to come sign the waiver? I should probably change my approach. <laughs> um, so <laughs> along your journey and, and, you know, kind of getting fit and, and losing weight, when did jujitsu come into the picture? Um, it came in right after everything opened up on the pandemic. So by then I had switched gears. I had left like the fun, crazy club gym because I wanted something harder. So um, I went to another gym with a coach that I was familiar with doing the weightlifting, getting into strength and training and basically becoming a bit more serious about my goals. That's the only way I can explain it. And while doing that, my brain just kept going back to 10 years ago when I was doing martial arts. And all I kept thinking was, man, if I trained like this when I did martial arts, imagine how far I could have gone. And that's kind of where the light bulb moment clicked on. And so I started trying out a bunch of different schools in my area. I tried out Taekwondo. I tried out Muay Thai. Well, uh, one of the schools I went to, they had a jujitsu class. And years ago, I did judo and Japanese jujitsu. That's kind of like, hmm, I was a hobbyist back then, like the laziest person in the room, but I still trained. I want to try this again. And so I walked into the class and um, I couldn't fit, I could not find a gi that fit me at the schools, so I had to try out no gi, which really put me out of my comfort zone because I don't like tight clothes. <laughs> and I walked in to the class, I see a bunch of guys there, I kick off my shoes and I sit on the mat. And it was funny because the coach came up to me and he goes, I'm sorry, I thought you were someone's mom. <laughs> and shook my hand mm. and I was like, no, I'm here to try out a class. And the rest was pretty much history. I really liked it right out the gate. Okay. I just saw um, not too long ago, it looks like you got your second stripe on your white belt. 
Yeah, I didn't, honestly, I didn't really carry too much weight on that. So that was pretty awesome. That was a nice little surprise. Well, congrats on that. I mean, I think, you know, those types of things are important, you know, as you're a student of the game and you're learning. And again, you're on this journey, you know, just having that milestone and having that marker. That's pretty cool. So that's awesome work. Congrats to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so in doing jujitsu and kind of pulling in and just taking it all in so far in the game, uh, how are you feeling with it? Like, how, you know, your comfort zone of it. I am, I like to think of myself kind of like in that honeymoon phase. I am actually 100% obsessed with it and I train a lot. I have a lot of respect for it as a whole, uh, just the people there, because something that not many people know unless they follow me or talk to me is that during my recovery, this big one, this long one, I literally went to class four, sometimes five days a week, and I sat there and watched while I was waiting. And the biggest thing that I learned from that was my classmates would always come up and say, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? And we would chat for a second. And those little moments in the group of being around everyone, the support in the community, it's been overwhelming as a whole. And it's been pretty awesome. That's good. You know, yeah. I always look at our gyms. Well, jujitsu as a community in itself, I think is a big old family. And then our gyms, you know, breaks down even more into the family. So I'm glad that, you know, they were checking in on you and you, and you were going there to watch because that I think that's something that people lose sight of is just because you're injured doesn't mean you can't go in and watch and still learn. So exactly, exactly. And um, so to kind of like back step. So I signed up for class. I was doing jujitsu just so people kind of know I about four months into it, I tore my ACL. And then a month later, a few months later, I had surgery. So that whole process itself has been its own thing. But I remember when I was first going back after the surgery, I literally, the day I was going back, I was writing a guy who I'd met in a grappling injury support group. And I was like, hey, is it weird that I'm going to go watch class? Like, I'm just going to be sitting there with a mask on my face watching everyone. <laughs> Like, I felt so awkward, and his response, and every single person's response, who is a competitor, who is a black belt, or whatever, has been go to class. Just keep going when you can. And so I kind of took that to heart and ran with it. Okay. Probably the best decision I made. Well, I think, again, just having that, you know, that vision and, and, and the ideal, even to that, is important because. You know, there's some people I know myself when I came into it, it was just a workout. Yeah. And, and I was only able to go once per week, but once I was able to go more, then it became something that I'm learning. And then it became right. an obsession. Yeah. And, and then COVID hit. And then it was like, eh, you know what? I do miss. I do miss honey buns. I do miss boxes of wine. Oh, I got movies Pizza. to watch too. Pizza. Like making homemade pizza, it, it, it got out of control. So, yeah. with the injury to your ACL, how did that happen? 
It was, it was stupid. That's what I tell everyone. It's the dumbest injury ever. Like there's no cool story. We were just doing a sweep and all I did was step wrong. It was nothing fancy. Mm. And when I stepped wrong, I felt my knee pop. I didn't think anything of it because I've dislocated my knee before. So, oh, I just dislocated my knee. And so um, our teacher or our coach at that time, he basically called break to show everyone a technique. So I just sat on the ground, straightened out my knee to make sure it was good. And then I continued on with class. And then as we were drilling, I switched to my opposite side to give that knee a break. Just thinking, oh, it'll be fine tomorrow. It might be a little stiff. But I noticed as I was moving, the stability wasn't quite there. So once we were breaking off into actual positional drilling, I called it and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go home and ice my leg. And um, took a few days off. Now, I'm one of the fortunate ones. A lot of people who tear their ACL, they're in extreme pain. There's a lot of swelling. There's a lot of signs that you tore your ACL. I didn't have that. I didn't have swelling. If anything, I had stiffness. So I didn't think too much of it. I just iced it, worked on mobility. And in a few weeks, I was back on the mat while I waited to go to the doctor. And it wasn't until about a month later that I got my diagnosis. And I decided to kind of pull back in on those reins and let slow way down. So once you tore your ACL and you know now you're injured um, and out of action, how long were you down? Um... So I probably did what, this is something that you would have to make a decision on your own. So I asked my surgeon at the time when he diagnosed me if I could still train. And he's like, you can train. He says, if anything else breaks, I'll just fix it while I'm in there. And my view at the time was, well, if I'm already out for a year, might as well make the most of it while I can. So I actually trained continuously all the way up until two days before surgery. Wow. But I put rules in place, right? So I would not do any standing, which meant I was grounded. I was on the ground the whole time. And then um, I would, when I say I would not do standing, I wouldn't even do standing guard breaks. So I had to kind of work around that and just face the facts that I'm going to get smashed until I figure this out. <laughs> but it was good, though. I had a lot of fun with it. I'm lucky. Well, good. Good. Um, yeah, that's wild to even think too. It's like two, up to two days before the surgery, you're still training. But I mean, you're being safe about it, so it wasn't like you're going out there being reckless, like training, like you're preparing no. for worlds. Like, no, no. Relax. Uh, yeah, and that was the thing too. So, like, my coaches were aware, and the nice thing with my coaches is, if there was a move that seemed iffy for me, we found a different way for me to work around it. And then I also had really patient partners to give me a second because with with the whole ACL thing, I actually had to learn how to do a lot of things opposite from everyone else in the class. And when you're just starting out and you're trying to unwrap what people are showing you and saying, okay, well, I can't do it on this leg, but I can do it on this leg. It just presented a whole new challenge when it came to learning. Okay. So. Oh, mean. The, the important thing, though, is that you recognize that you understood that your coaches were, you know, aware and helpful to in that. And that's all always a good thing. At the oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I'm very thankful for that. So. So with you being back now, like where are you at as far as like 
how you're feeling, the recovery and everything, you know, you know, what's your status? So right now I'm at nine months, which is kind of like the gold standard for the average person. Um, most pro athletes are usually back at it within six months. I'm not a pro, I'm a mom. <laughs> so, um, but I feel really good, actually. I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of amazing people throughout this whole process. And I'm, I don't know, I just feel like I'm back at it. Like I'm back to where I was. I haven't been 100% cleared yet. So I'm not doing any like active standing takedowns. I'll practice them and drill them lightly, like, caution lightly. I'm still waiting to finish my final test this Thursday for return to sport. And do you, I know you just mentioned there, you know, your mom doing this. Like, have you competed? No, I haven't had the opportunity to, but I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I want to compete. Okay. But my priority right now is one, rebuilding the strength and confidence in my leg. And then two, obviously building a game for myself. So I have sure. a chance. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. And, you know, that's also important too, is, you know, again, knowing, knowing what needs work you know what your goals are strengthening strengthening the knee is important whereas you know you get some people they just want to get out there and go like some people don't even have a game plan they just jump out and go is it okay do you have a coach no okay go ahead let's go <laughs> people people just showing up to competitions like okay what part what team are you a part of oh i ain't got no team i just showed up <laughs> okay good luck bucko um, so, you know, you mentioning being a mom and, and doing this, you know, does your, uh, children compete or does your husband or not compete, but, uh, train, uh, does your husband or children train with you as well? No, no. Um, my son knows that the door is open if he ever wants to. Ironically, his school coach called me to get him on the wrestling team, but the problem was, I couldn't find a way to pick him up after practice. So we had to kind of bump it out to next year for him, but he shows interest in it, but I don't push him into it. I let him make that choice. My husband, he's not able to do the medical reasons. And so instead he just is pretty much my biggest supporter there. If there's a day where I'm like, huh, I don't know if I want to go. My husband's like, Oh, you be quiet. You know, you're going to go anyways. He's like, just get in the car. Go. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad you have uh, a great support system in your corner. So super cool. Yeah. Uh, so with the injuries and um, just, I guess, kind of through all this journey with everything for you, what kind of effect did it have on your mental aspect of it all? It was a big test and it still is in a lot of ways. So like the first the way I think of it is like every three months. And so like the first three months, you kind of go through, well, I went through kind of like an identity crisis because my spare time revolved around going and doing weights in the morning and then going and do jujitsu in the evening. And then all of a sudden that's gone. It's like, okay, what do I do with myself? So during those first three months, that was the hardest. 
the life, I guess you could say like the game changer during those first three months that really kind of flipped my mood around was being able to go and watch class because at least I was still in the room. I was still watching people train. My coaches were nice enough to let me actually record what they were teaching so I could take notes and study it on my own time. And so that was a huge benefit. So the first three months is the identity crisis, essentially. Um, the next three months, so months, I guess you could say three through six, that's kind of when things start to pick up and you're allowed to do more. So you're allowed to kind of start adding some weight to your squats. <laughs> like, and I was able, I think around month four, I was finally able to go back to my old strength and conditioning gym and I just went for upper body days. So again, I was around a team of people who I work out with getting that social aspect, at least working towards something. And then right around month six, I switched PTs and I found a PT who was focused specifically on jujitsu, they're a black belt in jujitsu. And okay. so they gave me the all clear to start working back into class. And so that was a slow process as well, returning to the mat. And kind of from there, everything else just kind of went by in a blink, months six through nine. It just went by real quick. Yeah, it, that tends to be the case. It's like once you get in that groove, time's just going now. Yeah, yeah. So when grappling, I know, you know, it's still kind of early on. When grappling, what's your go-to submission that you, you're you comfortable with? Right now, I'm infatuated with arms. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I like arms. I have been going for the arm bars and the arm locks like crazy. Not intentionally. They just keep popping up. So. Yep. I get you. So, yeah. um, and so you're going for like arm bars, arm locks, Kimuras, or just arm bars and arm locks. I haven't really gone too crazy with Kimuras. Like I know they're there, but I'm more I'm a perfectionist to a default, at least in the sense of I want to be able to hit the same spot consistently for a while. And then I'll move on to my next little project. So, and that's kind of how I've approached it from the beginning. Like I will work on, for example, I was just working on it today, the over underpass, right? So being grounded, coming back after ACL reconstruction, but trying to work back into training, the two passes that I found that worked for me was the over under and the body lock. And so for like, I'd say about two months straight, all I did was body lock passes and then essentially started transferring it over to the over under now. And I will work on that for about two to three months until I feel good. And then I start to move on a little bit further and add on. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now with arm bars. It's okay. good. Like, well, it's like you said earlier though, you know, building a game. So you're just building up. It's good. Yeah, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's some people they jump right in. Remember, there was a guy that I had never seen. I had never seen him again, but I remember this guy comes in, and our coach asked one of the other students to work with him, and she started off by asking, you know, just his familiarity with jujitsu and what would he be interested in learning, and he immediately goes, "Ah, I like to learn uh, heel hooks and a lot of leg locks." 
<laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> right. So you got some people that just they want to jump into those waters. It's like, dude, do you even know how to break fall yet? No? Okay. All right. You're probably gonna laugh. So my first, like my first weeks coming back, um, I would I would go to open mats, right? And I'd watch people just roll just for the heck of it to watch them roll and kind of see how their game is and like what do they like to go for while I was there? I was approached by a friend who I'd been talking to online through Instagram. And uh, she comes up to me and she goes, come here. And I go, what? She's like, you're going to learn leg locks. I was like, what? (laughs) Coming back after ACL reconstruction. But there was a benefit to it. So it all spiraled and started with this idea of we're going to teach you defense. So that way, if you're ever at an open mat and someone throws you in a heel hook, you don't do something stupid and tear your ACL. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And, uh, but from there, I just kind of went down that rabbit hole. Like I, I learn them. I do them once, once a week, I do a class just studying them and learning. And it's, I'm thankful for it because this way, if I am at an open mat rolling with someone, I don't know. And they throw that, I know, okay, don't turn the wrong way. Cause you're going to ruin your brand new ACL. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> Just the thought, just, oh, my God. It scares me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that leg lock game is a is a scary game. It, but if you're out there playing it, you know, at least do it safely. And, you know, you should be fine. Should. Yeah. I have a lot of fun with it. I like it, but I, I don't. I'm very picky about who I practice with because I don't want to make any mistakes. No, that's important too, though, having the right training partner. I mean, we all have those partners that we want to work with because of uh, safety, comfort, and also Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, they know you. I mean, I I wear a colostomy bag, so I'm relatively selective of my partners because, you know, it's not everybody knows. So, you know, some people might try to go neon belly on you and... Yeah, you know, it's a little aggressive. <laughs> so, but when you got partners that you're familiar with and they know you, it's like, okay, they, you know, they might still do it, but they understand not to try to put their knee through you. Or, you know, like in your case with your, with your uh, ACL, you know, they might be aware of it, but they're not going to go and crank on a hill hook real quick and like, oh man, you should tap faster. <laughs> right. Let's just send it. <laughs> like, okay, dick. Like, like, anytime any of my teammates grab my foot, I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and tap now. Right. That's what. That's what we stress. Like, if you don't know and they grab it, just tap. Don't even just tap. Acknowledge it and let's go. <laughs> so. Yeah. It is, it, I mean, it's the trainer room, so you're you're not, you know, counting wins and losses. Well, exactly. I'm not. I don't know. Some people, I think, are. It's like, like, oh, hey, remember that time I got you in, the, in this? It's like, you know, only thing I'm counting is triangles. If if triangles. I get if I get caught in a triangle, I, trust me, I remember. <laughs> like, I'm I'm not gonna let that shit go because I have like a stubby, like a short stubby neck, so it's hard to get yeah. a triangle on me. So when it happens, I have to remember who did it, and then I have to figure out how not to let that happen again. So do you have any particular, I know you're saying, you know, 
just to be safe. You're not standing, uh, starting on the feet or anything. Um, just protecting your knee. Do you have any kind of takedowns that you know you think would work or do work? I know you mentioned some judo in there as well. I'm so I'm actually. It's funny because um, I never thought I'd be playing the way I'm playing right now. Never in a million years, at least not until late blue belt. And because I've been putting so much time into learning leg locks and leg lock defense. I'm actually now trying to trying emphasis learn open guard and uh, single leg X entries and X card. Okay. Those seem to be my that seems to be my thing right now, and so I've just been running with it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It's I'm a having a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it's it's a fun fun area to play in, and it's you know got a lot of momentum behind it. So run with it. You work yeah yeah no i like it i it just it's a whole new world it's amazing to me so i've been listening i listen to podcasts all the time i listen to yours and a bunch of others and something a lot of people repeat over and over is how when you do get an injury and you're forced to change kind of like your perspective of how you train it can open up a whole new world and that's kind of how i feel with this as far as having to figure out how can i be a good partner to roll with for my partners and still keep us moving. And so it's opened up this whole pathway to different things that I never even considered, not at all at my current level. <laughs> so it's been fun. But, but that's also how you grow as well too. So if, if you, you know, don't challenge yourself in those areas and, and granted injuries aren't some, you know, Injuries aren't something that you look into to, you know, no one's looking to get injured. Right. But, you know, like you said, the injury, you know, it, it kind of almost shifts your game a little bit and, and in turn adds growth. So, you know, it, it there's all in the plan, I'm sure. Um, yeah, everything works out. That's always been my motto is just keep keep going, keep showing up. Everything will come back full circle and we're going to get there. So. so, well, I guess the first thing I'll ask is uh, with the gym that you're at currently, this is, is for jiu-jitsu at least, this the only gym you've um, trained jiu-jitsu at? No, I actually, so <laughs> um, a few of my teammates know this, my coaches all know this, but I cross-train at two different jiu-jitsu schools. So my home school is Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu in Reno. That's my main school I go to. And then I also go to Black Diamond Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Reno two days a week to kind of break it up. And also my perspective is um, the more people you roll with, the more experience you get to try trying out new things in different positions, different body types, different sizes. So I just kind of embraced it and I train at both schools. But Gorilla is my homeschool. Okay. Right. Have you encountered any kind of toxic behavior on the mats at any point? Um, not too much. I mean, I think I'm lucky because I hear the stories and everything. I've actually been very fortunate. I guess you could say Reno's it's a really good environment, in my opinion. Um, because 
the second school I go to, so for example, the second school I go to for as an observer during my recovery, um, they would host, a lot of schools out here host open mats. And when you look at the photos after the open mats or you go to those open mats, you're gonna see people from all the schools in town showing up to go enroll on that weekend. And to me, that kind of says a lot about the environment that we have out here and the teams that train out here. That's awesome. Um, in in your general area, you said in, in Reno? Yeah, Reno, Nevada. How, like about how many like different gyms are in your general area? Like I would say in a 10 mile radius. Yeah, 10 seems like a good number. I want to say, I mean, I can name them all off, but I'd be worried I'd miss one. I know we have to have at least five or six. Easy. Yeah. That's a that's a good number. Um, I think, you know, when I think about the gyms out here, we're, we're looking at about five or six as well within within a 10 mile radius or so. So I think maybe that's a, I think that's a good healthy number for a good jiu-jitsu community and relationships out there. So. Maybe that's the trick. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, because I guess in California, there's so many gyms. I always hear about the these, I don't want to say horror stories, but just you hear of, you know, gyms that don't, you know, it's like, no, you can't cross train with that gym. You can't communicate with these people. And there's all this static, yeah. just really shitty behavior amongst people. And it's like, dude, like. like I was. I was really cautious about it because I didn't know how they would take it. What actually started it was the fact that at my home gym, they were going to do like a straight two to three weeks of takedowns. And I had just returned back to the mat. And so I had I had already been working with some of um, Black Diamond students at Open Mats, just giving me something to do and something to work on. And so I wrote their coaches and I was like, hey, so my gym is going to be doing takedowns. I can't do takedowns. Is it okay if it's okay with my coaches? Can I come over and train with you guys during those two to three weeks? And they said, yeah, no problem. You're more than welcome to. So I wrote my coaches and I was like, hey, is it okay if I go do this? And they go, yeah, our motto is train with everyone. Go have fun. And I was like, okay, awesome. And after that, I just kind of stuck with it and kept them in my training routine on a weekly basis to drop in and go hang out with them. Um. I always, I know, again, some gyms just are real funny about cross-training. I, I mm -hmm. always feel like it's a, it's an important thing, I think, just the, not even, I guess if you're not competing, like I know myself, I'm, I'm not a competitor. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to compete again, but I think it's still good to get, you know, some different looks from time to time. Yeah. And also just period, just, you know, the community in itself, the jiu-jitsu community and, and, you know, keeping people just kind of, you know, close, close by. So that way, you know, if someone, you know, you're learning something and, you know, you're just not getting it and maybe a teammate, you know, might say, hey, why don't we, you know, try it this way. But to hear from an outside source, they might be working on it as well. Someone on the outside might say, you know, well, here's a little, you know, trick that works for me as well. You know, that, that's within reason. Because sometimes you always, you will get those occasional blue belts that are like, mm -hmm. here, like, do it this way. This always works for me. It's like, meanwhile, Purple Belt comes over and smashes shit out of it. Like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> shit doesn't work. 
Well, that's been like one thing that's been really awesome about this experience. There was one week there when I was going between the two gyms and uh, everyone was teaching the exact same position and the exact same submission. But you were, from my perspective, I was learning it the same position, but it was being taught differently. The only way I can explain it's like a different language, like each coach has their own way of teaching it. And I actually found that to be really beneficial to helping me try and figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. Sure. And that's the other thing I like about it is um, different perspectives, different personalities, different ways of teaching. And by working with a diverse group of people, it gives you just more opportunities to learn. Yeah, I think that's, you know, another key point, too, is just the like you said, the diversity just seeing different ways because if you do um you know at some point compete and i don't even mean just locally but if you go on like larger circuits and compete just being familiar with some things and understanding you know you might do it this way somebody might do it a different way having a different look to it being able to recognize that is key it, it i think it helps to cross train i do so with doing jujitsu and then also um, just working on, you know, weight management and, and, you know, your fitness journey, are you into any other sports? Um, no, I'm keeping it pretty, pretty simple. Cause I do, I do train a lot. Um, a lot of people says, well, they'll say that's a lot when I tell them my schedule, but yeah, I'm keeping it simple. I have some people who are trying to pull me into their sports, and I'm like, nope, nope. Jiu-jitsu makes me happy. Lifting weights makes me happy. That keeps everything under control and takes care of my body. So I haven't really pursued anything else. I'm just sticking with what I know. Okay. And just so you know, jiu-jitsu makes me happy as well. That's, <laughs> that's, I think that's the theme here, is jiu-jitsu makes me happy. So... Compared to where you were, let's say, um, pre-injury, ACL injury, to now, like, how, how are you feeling there? Do you feel like, okay, you picked right back up, or you're able to pick up comfortably, or do you feel like it, it was a little bit more of a challenge just trying to get back into the routine? It's kind of like, it's a 50-50 split on the answer. And I'm going to say that because coming back at month six, when I really started going back into the gym, right? And I started doing like the heavy lifts and I was trying to get back into jujitsu and get on the mat. That was exceptionally hard. That was a mind over matter moment because you go back in and you're excited. You're like, I'm here. I want to do this. And then when you try to do it, you realize, okay, I'm not ready to do that yet. So you have to hold back. Now, as of right now, moving from month six to month nine, I actually feel like I'm better off. And it sounds crazy, but I feel like I'm better than when I started. And I contribute a lot of that to going to class. As far as jujitsu is concerned, going to class and watching. Because I am a white belt. And by sitting through all those classes, watching and studying, I started recognizing, okay, if I go here, I'm supposed to go here and building those patterns through observation and taking notes. Whereas if I didn't go during that entire time I was out, I wouldn't have come back with all that additional information 
and being able to recognize certain positions and submissions and what to avoid. Now it's just a matter of trying to apply it physically, which is a whole another story. That but, is always the challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's the hardest part. <laughs> sure. Um, like, so would you say that you're a visual learner then when it comes to most things, uh, jujitsu specifically, but, um, or do you have to, you know, kind of physically do it for it to really sink in? I have to physically do it. I am an, I learn by application. Like I can, I can watch something visually and be like, okay, I could see how that works, but until I physically do it, I'm not going to understand it. We share that in common. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't watch technique videos. They, they, well, I can, but I have to do it like right before I do the move. I can't just sit there on a Thursday night, watch technique videos and then think, man, I'm gonna apply this tomorrow. Like, right. I, I have to look at it like, okay, I'm stepping on the mat. All right, there we go. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't stick for me for some reason. Um, so for you, you know, in this grappling journey, what does it mean to you to be a grappler? Um, I don't, I guess I just don't really view myself as one. I, it's more of a, the only thing I think of it is it's more of a personal thing in the sense of, I enjoy it. I like being around people. Uh, my favorite part is the challenge of it all in the sense of one day I could be hitting something and feeling really good about it. And then the next day it just gets shut down left and right and it's nothing's happening. So then I got to approach that problem from a different angle. So I like the challenge behind everything and the big picture that comes with learning this as a beginner. Here's another thing too. One of the reasons why I got into jujitsu, like the real driving force that made me kind of look for something to do in my evenings was the simple fact that I've got a 13-year-old son who's way into video games and then my husband who works overnights. So what was happening is I was getting off work, sitting on the couch with no one to talk to, just sitting there. And I tried different hobbies. I tried playing the guitar, the ukulele, painting, anything just to keep my mind occupied during those hours. And it just wasn't working. And so for me, jujitsu, as much as I like the physical challenge behind it or grappling in general, just being around people and in that environment with other people socially while we're all working toward a goal, that's what I really enjoy. If I'm being 100%, that's what I like. The community of it. Yeah. That's good. And, uh, you know, I can never stress it enough. The jujitsu community, I think, is very important but also from my experience at least in the different hobbies and communities i've been involved with, i think the jiu-jitsu community is amongst one of the best because you have these people who are learning how to do bodily harm to others but they're some of the nicest people you'll ever meet with a smile on their face <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's always frustrating when when someone's like just they're submitting you and they're smiling they're not even you know oh it it hurts when like I'm rolling with the coach and he's having a conversation with somebody. Oh, we were watching that today at open mat. It was pretty funny because I was working with someone and we're all asking the coach about a technique and he's just sitting there rolling around and he's coaching us, telling us what to do across the room. So it was pretty, pretty funny. It, it's, 
sure funny from one angle. The person who, who's trying to get him is like, dude, stop right? disrespecting me. And they're not even looking at you. They're looking across the room coaching someone and you're sitting there trying to escape or whatever. <laughs> I think that's the part that's most hurtful is they're not even looking at you. No. It's like they're just hanging out. <laughs> look at me when you kill me. Well, it, you know, at least at least you know they care. <laughs> right. well, I, I hope I hope they care at least. All right. Um, well, Jess, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out and sharing your story with us. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm kind of in that weird boat now where I'm trying to restart my fitness journey. So just hearing your experience has been personally helpful to me. So I do greatly appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, are there any mentions or shout outs or anything you'd like to add here? Um, yeah, why not? So, <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to my home gym, Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu, Black Diamond Jiu-Jitsu, and then also my physical therapist. I kind of wanted to mention him as well. Um, Dr. Kickass, Mike Pekarski on Instagram. He's amazing. So I do highly recommend him. And then of course, my strength and conditioning gym, uh, Cedric's conditioning. They're all awesome. Okay. Awesome. And I will put that in the show notes as well. Shout outs. Um, so thank you for that. Um, also to everyone else listening, thank you as always for listening to the podcast. I do greatly appreciate everyone's support. And as I always like to point out, I'm just a regular ass dude with a microphone, a laptop, and some free time. And you all choose to spend your time listening to me. So I do appreciate that. If y'all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, reach out to me. Let me know. You can find me at um, bjj.wiki on Instagram and off the mats podcast on Instagram as well. I'm all over Instagram. I got like too many accounts. (laughs) You know, if you like horror movies, go find me on uh, So You Like Horror as well. You know, I, I've had people from the jujitsu community comment over there on So You Like Horror about something I said on Off the Mats. I'm like, geez, dude, like keep it kind of settled in one spot, but don't, don't just reach out to me. Uh, I like to do a big shout out to um, a previous guest uh, and a good friend, Mike, over at Asgard503 on Instagram and uh, also the website sgard503.com go check it out he's got some great rash guards some great uh, geese uh this man puts in the work so go uh, check him out and go go buy his stuff man some good stuff uh, quality stuff um also big shout out to uh good friends eric and ali over at armbar attic i missed him on the last uh, couple episodes here so want to bring it back um go check them out as well on instagram and go check out their website armbaraddict.com go grab a rash guard or some t-shirts from them also and then last shout out is to uh so you like horror my other podcasts uh, my most recent episode was about stephen king and the next upcoming episode is going to be about vampires so if you're into that kind of thing go ahead and check it out um otherwise thank you everyone i love you all you guys keep listening to the show and i'm going to keep making them thanks everyone 
Bye. They probably said. Now let me see his song.